and you can repeat that. Yeah. Okay, it's starting. So say again what you just told me. Yeah, I was like in a rough patch in a period, um, and I was kind of overwhelmed with the fact that, uh, like, that I couldn't find that thing, no matter what I did in my actions um, or belief in my mind, that I couldn't find that thing which satisfies, that it's going to fix all my problems, like, you know, relative problems. Okay. Whatever problems. Um, what you're saying there actually has a relationship to the concept in Christianity of the dark night of the soul. Yeah, and I'm a Christian. I used to be a Christian. Funny how I say it first. I'm a Christian. I was a Christian. I was a Christian. Uh, you can take the Christianity, you can take the boy out of Christianity, but you can't take Christianity out of the boy. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Like, I think it has a lot to do with that because for me, it's like if there's not a purpose to it, if there's not a, uh, like, if it's not the best, I don't. You know, if I'm not going to be the best person in the world, then I shouldn't do it. Then I should, I should, I should just give you up. You should give up like all the other losers. Yeah, yeah. Or like, if I'm not, or I'm scared to do the wrong thing, like so terrified to do the wrong thing. Like, mm -hmm. that's where the numbing, like I told you, the numbness of like this overall settling feeling of like, oh, well. Everything is pointless. Everything sucks. Everything, uh, like even religion, even Buddhism, even everything is a disappointment. Everything is a, something like right. this. But you can see when you go through that, the other side of it is yippee ki -yo -ki -yay. I Now I know at least that none of that stuff is going to solve any problems. Yeah, like it's, it's definitely a fragile part because I felt like I was just going to be there like the, it, it's a good like it's weird because i think that happens to people without practice but it's just that absolutely that in fact the uh the whole concept of the dark night of the soul has nothing to do with buddhism at all when someone is practicing buddhism properly they've either already had their micro dark nights of the soul or they're not destined to have a big one for sure yeah, yeah, it wasn't okay. like, like I, I yeah. knew that I couldn't stay in it. Basically, we could go so far as to say is, is that you're waking up to the fact that you've been scammed. Yeah. Has yeah. that ever happened to you? Have you ever actually been ripped off? Yeah. Scammed? Mm-hmm. And, and, and waking up to that, you know, well, I'm not sure. Maybe I give them another email or something like that. And then you finally realize I have been scammed. Okay. Now, the scam is, is um, that there is the highest good, the sunam bunam. That's part of the scam. And that, um, let us say, not the teachings of Jesus, 
but the foundations rather of Christianity is based upon that. You said the highest good, right? Yeah, the highest good. What is there a word it, for that? You said Pali? Pardon? You said it in Pali. No, I said it in Latin. Sunum bunum. No. <laughs> That's Pali word. Yeah, it's not well. It's not at least a, a, a poly concept. It's a, a Roman Catholic Church, the highest good of the greatest good. Now, along with that, is the idea that Christianity supports, which is that you can't do it on your own. You've got original sin. Your hands are dirty, and you can't clean your own hands. And that you need a savior. That not only have you done the original sin that you can't get away from, but eventually you're going to have to roast in hell for it because you can't get out of it on your own. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so one's meaning in life then becomes the meaning of getting out of hell or getting out of a hell free card by sucking up to this greatest good. Yeah, yeah. By okay. like doing like the right thing, like by doing the right thing exactly. And all of that stuff comes out of the critical mindset in the sense of good and bad and up and down and hells and heavens and all of this duality that comes along with critical thinking and that what we're doing instead is fostering uh nurturing that everything is okay that there is no problem that needs the greatest good to solve and the zen will say it like this that you're already enlightened stop struggling to get something that you've already got which is, in fact, in the Christian language, salvation. You're already saved. Yeah, yeah, like, um... But... but how? Go ahead. <laughs> like, there's no savior, right? So, how would you find the... Like, because you can... For me, it's like... I couldn't get out of that rough patch because... For a while, because I just... What was it? I couldn't accept that I was like, that I can do it. Not only can you do it, but nobody else is going to. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part that I can do it, but and that no one else can. And that's the worst part about it, because <laughs> because because you realize like, one big thing about it was like, well, if I can't do it, I mean, if I, if, if I can do it and no one else will, then what can I do? And I was like, the answer is stop struggling. Yeah, right. That was, <laughs> but that's uh, like, it's like that utter feeling of like, not like to be so overdramatic, but like helplessness. Like, you know, like, um, that is one of the major characteristics of the position of being a victim is the victim is helpless. 
and is in fact trounced upon, and he needs a savior. He needs a different bully to come up to beat up his bully. Is this why, like, people, like, like, um, pathogenas, right? Like, use a classic word. Um, is this, like, why pathogenas would basically, um, have faith first, right? Like, they would have faith. Like, a householder or a monk would start out by faith. Like, this idea that if I just do this, then they'll recognize later that, no, it's not by doing things, like, or by believing in certain things, or like by meditating in a certain way. Like, okay, I've, I've kind of lost the context of, of what you're talking about. Uh, can you tell me a little more? Um, like, for example, like... Which monks are you talking about, for instance? For, for me, let, let me speak for me, because like, like, I thought that by doing... Like, it's almost funny because it's like, it's like so close to my face, like, but you can't really explain it. Like, like, I didn't think that I was doing things. How do you say? Uh, I felt safe because I was doing the right things. Okay. But, but when you realize that you don't really have a basis or a foundation for the right thing that gets really kind of like you don't know what the hell is happening <laughs> all right um if you if this has ever happened to you perhaps you know when buses park side by side and then one of them starts to move it's hard to tell whether it's your bus that's moving or it's the bus beside you that's moving. You often have to look in both directions to uh, uh, to get the feeling of because you have the sensation that, wait a minute, we're moving. No, it's not we're moving. The bus beside us is the one who's moving. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, in that regard, what we're talking about is, is that the frame of reference that we have is we can no longer rely upon it. Yeah, that we give children laws, precepts and things like this and try to enforce that on them with the idea that if you do good, you will get good results. And when you do bad, you will do get bad results. That is the foundation of Hinduism, Islam, Christianity and a whole lot of Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. Okay. With the Christians having a kicker. Yeah. Okay. The kicker is, is that you can't do good. Who mm -hmm. do you think you are doing good? Only God is good. Romans 5. <laughs> Therefore, you must suck up to the big dude because you can't do it on your own. So first off, you're given an impossible job to do. And then after you strive for a long time and figure out that you can't do the job, then you give up on go doing the job and go into, I guess, a, a form of shysterism or bait and switch or sucking up to the big dude or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. Very few will just simply walk away recognizing that, hey, that was a bunch of crap. Yeah, because of manners as well. 
Like you don't mm-hmm. want to. That's when the realization comes in that all of that was a bunch of crap. Yeah. This is the dark night of the soul that Christianity has in the sense that you're supposed to be sucking up to that dude, praying to him, getting all your goodies and benefits from him. And after 35 years of really sucking hard, he ain't said a word. Yeah. Yeah. He ain't said nothing. He hasn't answered a prayer, not a nothing. Wait a minute. And yeah. so this is the, the, the dark night of the soul is that the Christian has to reach is, is that nobody's going to help you. And that's the definition of what like you like to use like magic. Like exactly looking for magic to solve real problems. And that is a tough one to come to that, in fact, um, uh, within the context of the of the Buddha and talking about doubt as the third fetter, as well as doubt, which is uh, one of the five hindrances. The doubt has three layers to it, three, three fingers, one, two, three, (laughs) not five, not three. And that the uh, the three levels of doubt is this first level of doubt that many students start off in Buddhism kind of not really having. They're ready for the second, only to realize, oh, no, there's a tripwire in there. And eventually that first doubt is going to explode in our face. OK, What's now, that? what is the first, second and third doubt? The second doubt is am I up to the task, which gives rise to understanding the first job or the first doubt is who am I going to get to fix my mess? Who's going to clean this up? These are doubts like like that. This is like like um, doubts that are listed, like the Buddha would explain that. Yes, this is right. The listing of the doubts is doubt. Who am I going to get to fix me? That's also in psychology. This is the victim's position. The victim is looking for a helper. The victim is looking for a mommy. Not a mommy who's going to be more critical than anybody else, but a mommy who's going to come and save us and nurture us and take care of us and as a high schooler keep us out of jail and all of that kind of stuff, right? We're looking for help. If I can't get my daddy to bail me out, then maybe I can get a mobster to. And if I can, I'll incite the riot. And so I can get those people to help me out. Right. This is okay. This is how it goes. I need help. I can't do it on my own. As narcissistic as I think that I am, I still am looking for help. I'm a victim and I'm always blaming someone else. This is the first. The third one. What's the third one? The third one is actually the culmination of, and it becomes the third knowledge on the path of Sotapan. And then, in fact, it's the tipping point, is knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path of the Buddha, or what is and what is not the path that you yourself will determine to take. I have figured out what is the right path for me without a doubt. The Dhamma of the Buddha works. 
I've got it. Okay. That's and... the third doubt, and that's the eradication then of the third doubt, and it's also the eradications of the three doubts. Number one, who's going to get me to do this thing? The answer is you're going to have to do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The second doubt is, am I up to the task? That becomes the first knowledge. When we come to the conclusion with right um, attitude, I can do this. Yeah, I can right. do it. No matter how obstructed the mind is, no matter how powerful that impact is upon me, I will choose to behave and act the way that is appropriate to the situation that I can wake up and see the way that things really are and behave accordingly. Okay, that's the second doubt, which is also the first knowledge. And when one takes on that, that one, when one eradicates that second doubt, we're on the path. Now the path is sowed upon. Okay, so the part about, like, can you do it, and, um, like, that's the part where it's, like, like, it feels like, like, it's a humongous challenge. Yes, and when we feel like that we're not up to the challenge, that's when we run back to the first d doubt. Wait a minute, maybe I can't do it. Maybe I'm not up to the task. Who can I get to go do this for me? Can I go get a guru? Can I go buy a book? Can I go take a retreat? Can I go to this, that teacher or guru to get me out of my mess? The answer is nobody's going to get you out of your mess. You're going to have to get your own self out of the mess. And look at this. We've got the tools for you to develop the skills to do that. And the mess is this your idea. life. Yeah. The, the mess. <laughs> like your life. And but that means like. Basically that which you try to maintain. Constantly through your your efforts well what you're trying to maintain is a sense of self or a sense of continuity in fact everything is subject to change everything decays the ship is not going to have a steady deck you're out at the high seas and this deck is not going to uh to be flat because you want it to be flat and when you say that there's no continuity you mean like in the sense like for, because the thing that I've been observing is like coming to the realization that, OK. Like. Like. It's just like that utter feeling of it's not even big, it's not like, whoa, like it's like. It's like this slowly like withering away feeling like if you let it, you know, like if you let it get to you, like it's like this. Like, oh, uh, you know, like dragged on melancholic kind mm -hmm. of like weary feeling. Well, that kind of feeling also comes from the disappointment that you didn't get the help that you were looking for. That melancholy is actually part of, uh, let us say, the sundown for the dark night of the soul. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Is when you begin to realize, hey, I'm not going to get the help that I wanted. That that baptism that I had didn't work. That I did not go and sin no more. Well, that's the hardest part because you want to keep it up for some reason. Like it's a habit and such. But it's like. Exactly. But the most difficult part of the habit is the fact of the critical mind. Yeah. The good and the bad. The finding the right path and doing the right thing, hoping that if I do the right thing, then magically I will get the right reward. Uh, that in India, it would go so far as if I sit on here on the floor long enough after 10 or 20 or 100,000 hours of meditation, that the common machine is going to whisk itself in here and uh, take his bowl of water and rose water and that uh, uh, brush and do Shakti pot on me, and then I'll be magically cured yeah, all in an event where no really what's going on is it's a long slow process and if you cannot feel the bliss of that shakti pot the first time you sit down at meditation you may not ever feel it yeah and um the hardest part is like wanting to hard that again is the is the um critical mind well Wanting something you don't have and thinking getting it is hard and you don't need anything. You're already okay. Yeah. If you can remember that, that's why sati is so important is to remember you're already okay. True. That's true. But it's like, the well, it's always true. Like, and it's like the older, the older you get, though. Like. And the, it's like, or maybe it's because I'm going through all this now, but it's like the pressure is raised up. Like, um, like you know, where are you going to go? What are you going to live? What are you going to do? How much money are you going to make? What, are you, what is your uh, purpose? You've been asking that question your whole life. Now you're more aware that you're asking the question. The pressure hasn't gone up. The awareness of it has. Yeah, like, what's my purpose in life? Oh, what's my purpose in life? Oh, what's my purpose in life? Oh, what's my purpose? Guess what? There is no set destiny or purpose in life for anyone. That basically we follow our habit patterns and our habit patterns decide what our purpose is. So born of comma. Born of their born, born of comma, born of past actions, born of ignorance and delusion. Okay. Once we wake up, the the waking up is is to realize that there is no destiny other than that which you create. There is no meaning in life except that which you create. And that in a way, uh, in the Pali language and in the way that the Buddha spoke. That's what he talks about in the sense of anatta. Anatta means, uh, and we can go with that word anatta and go to the word of sunyata. Because the word of sunyata means that everything is absent of a self. In fact, in the Pali, it goes like this. Sabe sankara anicca. 
everything that's piled in there is temporary. Sabe, Sankara, uh, Dukkha, which means that everything in that big pile of stuff not only rots, but it stinks. Yeah, yeah. The next one is Sabe, Dhamma, Anatta, which means not just the pile of rubbish and all the stuff that's collected, but everything that's fresh and new, all of it, the whole nine plus more yards is anatta. There is no self anywhere, ever. The self that is there is created out of ignorance. And it's the self that suffers. If there is no self to be born, then there's nothing to suffer. It's a very easy perspective. So, if there is no self and everything is empty of a self, then that means everything is empty of meaning and everything is empty of purpose. But that's different than saying it's empty of intelligence, right? Pardon? That's different than saying it's empty of intelligence. It's just not direct. Right, okay, but but, uh, how intelligent is intelligence? Well, it's well, it's it's changing as well. It's changing. Well, we're talking about wisdom or panya here, and that panya uh, wisdom means that we can see how things are uh, are are headed, what direction to think. A really clear example of that is at the rifle range that everybody is very very carefully aware of which direction every gun is pointed. Every gun, when it's relaxed and in use, should either be pointed up or down. Yeah. But not pointed out where it can be in contact to shoot someone. Okay? So that's wisdom. It's wise, if you've got guns around, to keep them pointed in a direction that's safe. Well, guess what? Everything winds up being a gun. Everything's a weapon. Everything needs to be pointed in a safe direction. So that's wisdom, is seeing the way things are headed. An example of that was would be that you don't take shortcuts down a blind alley that you don't know. It may be dangerous. It's better just to walk around the block and stay in the daylight. Don't go into the, that darkness because you don't know what's there. This yeah. is what we mean by wisdom. Okay, don't head off into the dark area. Well, so like... But back to intelligence, intelligence then, intelligence itself has problematics, so we should actually stay better with the word wisdom. Uh, Basically, wisdom is, in fact, the investigation to look at what you're doing, Mm -hmm. which is exactly the opposite of the ignorance or thinking that we already know, and therefore we don't have to look. Yeah. And why do we don't have to look? Why do we think we know? Is because we've got this grand plan. We've got this meaning in life. We've got a purpose here. The answer is, no, you don't. You don't know what the purpose is. And things happen, in fact, don't have a purpose other than a human intention. Okay. But there is no higher purpose to life. 
You can do anything you want to. The question is, are you going to enjoy yourself doing it? Most people will take on a high purpose, like becoming a politician or a preacher or something, and they wind up getting caught. Yeah. Why did they, what did they get caught at? They get, they got caught at doing things that they thought would be extra beneficial because their calling in life wasn't enough. I got to steal money out of the plate also. Yeah, it's like the, like the, so the things that the Buddha taught aren't like, they're not like objective claims. They're more like subjective, like your, your borderline experience. Exactly. That, in fact, only magic is really that hard and that fast. An example of that would be the comma machine. The Buddha, in fact, did say, yes, there are good actions that give good results and there are bad actions that give bad results, period. But the comma machine or the statement of the law of comma adds the quality of no matter what. In other words, your bad action will always give a bad result, and there's no guarantee to that. Like, well, like, you not all of them, right? Like, obviously, some will. Well, well, here's the statement that they say. Wrong view is, oh, I can do anything I want and get away with it. And ordinary right view is, no, you can't. You can't get away with it. You will eventually get caught. Well, and, by and pardon? By your own mind, right? You would you would carry well, that. Well, now we're going into noble right view, and noble right view is, is that you're not getting away with it now. You're getting caught. You're catching yourself. You don't like what you're doing, you're, and you're making yourself miserable with your own bad behavior. Okay. An example of that would be going and shoplifting. The kid who goes to shoplifting, sometimes they do it for the thrill or if they can get away with it and other things like that, and all of those bad feelings, and then they get caught. But even if they don't get caught, they're still, before they even get out of the store with the stolen merchandise, they feel bad, anxious, uptight, tense. Yeah, yeah. And as well as the fact that they know deep in their heart that they are a thief. Well, then if there's no, if there's no like purpose and all this, then how do you find the motivation to even practice? Or to invest? The motivation comes in being able to see that this lack of motivation is also a form of suffering. It's a form of giving up that you haven't come out of the tube in the right direction. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, where's your joy in all of this? That in fact, if you are free, then why do you keep laying on the ground in defeat when you haven't been defeated? Why don't you get up and dance?
Enjoy the freedom that you've got because you really are free. Free to do what? Free to do anything you want to do. Well, I don't know what I want to do. Well, that's your point, too. Okay, so go look at that. Because well, now you're not free to do what you want to do because you don't even know what what you want to do. And basically, the right way to look at it is there's nothing to do. There's no place to go. There is. Yeah, like. And you can sit happily. Just enjoy your life. Well, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> Then you're not fulfilling some magical meaning, huh? I don't know. That's just, uh, obviously I know what you mean and that's true. But in fact, what what we're talking about again is being able to see the dukkha and that you're not seeing it yet. You're not seeing the dukkha. Well, you're not it, seeing the disadvantage in your morbid lay down and forget all about it attitude. Well, it's it's raw, like it's obviously not the right approach like that. I know. Um, but the problem I have is, is like. What is then the Buddha offering? The counteracting. Because it just sounds like he's just saying, oh, well, you know, everything is just like this. And then take that out. And but like, is there any end? Is there any actual attaining of something? Yes. Something long lasting. Yes. Yes. And here is the language that we will use. Instead of criticism, we go into unity. Instead of competition, we go into friendship. Instead of worry, we go into happy. Instead of being dissatisfied, we become satisfied. Okay, that's good. Instead of feeling afraid and insecure and not making and not matching up to the goals, we become secure and safe. So we wind up with the feelings of safety, security, satisfaction, success, friendship, wealth. Where are all these, but where are all these things coming from? You have to make them. Well, that's weird. You have to create them because you haven't created them for yourself yet. And the world that you tried to get do it for you failed you. And did not give you these things. That is very true. And and uh, so now it's up to you. Are you up to the task to create the very things that you have wanted from the world that it failed at giving you? Do you have the skills to do it? The answer to that is, do you have then the tools? And the answer to that is, when you understand that the Eightfold Noble Path has all of the right tool set, because you tried it out, You've worked on it. You found out that it has great value. And so now confidence grows. This is not faith. Shada or Shrada does not mean faith. Faith means I've got no evidence, but I'll believe it anyway. All I'm getting is uh, the dog and pony show without the dog. And it's a one-trick pony. 
Okay, and that's all we've got. And so that's what Christianity is built upon. It's built upon faith because they've got nothing to offer. Yeah, yeah. This is not that. If there's anything, let me show you some of the things that Buddhism has to offer that you can take as not faith, but as growing confidence. Number one, you call me and you see what I'm like every time you talk to me. That I am not depressed. I am not laying on the floor. I am not complaining about the neighbor or the uh, the dogs or anything. Okay? Yeah. So you know that that can be done. Number two, you know the, the, the reputation or you have an inkling of the reputation that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa has in Thailand. And how well known and how the Thai people really love him for his openness about the Dhamma. Number three is uh, not that the the story of 50 million Frenchmen can be right, because 50 million Frenchmen all can be wrong. <laughs> but look at the way that the fact that the Buddhist, the teaching of the Buddha is widespread. And that many people get great benefit out of it, where Christianity generally does not follow the teachings of Jesus, but rather it follows the teachings of the church, and I'm not talking about the Roman Catholic Church, but rather looking for political power or gain or something like that uh, in the name of religion, rather than actually following the teachings of, the, of Jesus. When I was in grade school, I mean, uh, grammar school, when I was a really little kid, they talked about Jesus in the sense of uh, um, nurturing. Jesus loves me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. But by the time that kids are in high school, now they're studying Paul. Yeah, and they're going after all the critical stuff and the Old Testaments and the wars and all of this kind of stuff. But if we stay with just the teachings of Jesus, which is to take care of the poor. Jesus was a socialist. And look how much the Republican Christian Party has uh, hated socialism, where Jesus was a socialist. He was taking care of people. That's basically what we mean by friendship. Okay? So there's a lot of dichotomy that is built into the package of Christianity that has um, a lot of magical thinking in it, but it does have a foundation of good in the sense that... um, Without religion and without magical beliefs in in, um, comma and all of that, we would have never come out of, as a species, out of wrong view. We would have maintained a a completely barbaric, mafia, uh, warlord society where anyone can get killed at any time by his lieutenants. So we now have been able to get an orderly society because most of the people believe that they can't get away with it, that they will eventually have to pay the dues. Yeah. Right? So that's what builds society, and that's ordinary right view. And we need that right view in order to build a society. But now you are invited by the Dhamma to race above that world. To raise above that world so that you can be free from 
the um, the criticism that is there is all based in criticism. You do good, you do bad, you do right, you do wrong. And we're coming into the world of friendship, nurturing. Everything is okay. And in regard to wrongdoing, we take the route of rehabilitation rather than punishment. To rehabilitate means to get over it and to repent, as it were, to turn around. And. But yet what we do instead, and like what you're doing, is you just simply beat yourself to the ground. You're punishing yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's just because, again, like. I don't know. It really, it just becomes like a thing where it's like. It's a never ending of a, if you keep pushing it further and further, if you, if you keep feeding ah, it. But do you, okay, never mind that I, I'm not going to go along with never ending, but I will go along with calling it recurring over and over and over and over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Imagine it's like, um, uh, have you ever seen the kids put spokes, uh, put uh, uh, playing cards uh, with clothespins on their uh, wheels so that it makes a noise? I that was something we did yeah. in the 50s. The point is, is that yeah. on a circle, every time the circle goes around, something clap, 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 okay. clap, clap, clap as it runs around in that circle. Okay. And where every time that that clap happens, we think it's there all the time. No, it only happens when the circle comes back around. Right? If we slow down and stop spinning that circle, then it won't keep clap, clap, clap. It'll go clap, 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 clap. Yeah. Okay. And, but how is it like, um, so it's basically like, the Buddha isn't talking about destroying like your will. He's just talking about destroying your incessant need to control everything, right? Well, actually, um, there's a very interesting way of looking at it. And that is, is that uh, the human will comes out of desire. Mm -hmm. That we want things and I will have it. The That's doer. what will is. The doer, right? That, like some, somebody the, doing something. Right. The doer, the one who is the, doing the grasping and the clinging. I want this. And that is what we consider the will. And that, um, so within, let us say the organization like AA, the third step of that path is to become determined to not have our will, but to give that will over to reality or to give God as you know it, okay? Like in Jesus's prayer, not my will, but thine be done. Okay, in other words, I, I'm going to stop wanting my own desires and allow things to just be the way they are and be satisfied with the way they are 
whether I have what I want or not. This is, in fact, if you look at the way that Jesus prayed that prayer, and there's also great evidence that it pre-existed before Jesus' time, he was just reciting something that he had learned yeah. and didn't make it up. But uh, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and all of that. Um, goes along with the fact that this is not the normal kind of prayer that Christians pray. The kind of prayer that Christians pray is, God, do what I will you to do. Do what I want. Yeah. Granny's sick in the hospital, and I want her out, not because I don't want to feel bad when she dies, but I don't want to pay her bill either. I want her out of the hospital, God. Do your job. That's the normal kind of praying. Humbly, of course. Yeah. You do what I tell you to do. Okay. And so the dark night of the soul then is when people finally wake up to the fact that God's not been doing what I've been telling them to do all of these years. Yeah. Like, it's funny because like other things will happen, but like your, your overall well-being won't really change. Um, That's right. Nothing changes. And so we're ha- we have to live out the destiny that, uh, that is the direction that we're headed. Just so like the phrase, he who w- lives by the sword dies by the sword. That means if you live this way, you will die that way because you will continue to do this way until you die. But like, like, right, like maybe like, for example, like someone like you. Like, you could paint, right? You could do whatever you want. Like, no one's telling you what to do. Like, you know, you could do whatever. But... Just like everybody else, everybody's like that. Most people don't know it. They think that they've got to do what they're told to do. (laughs) Yeah, so... Like... Well, there are limits on what you can do. Um, Yeah, that's wisdom. To see which direction that gun's pointed. Yeah, and um, the question would be, okay, so at the end of the day then, so like for example, like someone who's gotten over that uh, will, like that driving will, mm-hmm. um, what, so what is it that they are, how do they do something? Like what are they going to do? Like how do they, how do they drive? How do they, how do they walk? You know, like it's it's not talking about that. It's something more specific, right? Than just the overall motor functions. Perhaps what we can talk about then is the middle path. Okay. So that you're so that you don't go from frantic to to uh, solid frozen. Okay. You don't have to be both a, uh, either a gas or ice that you can become something in between like water and become fluid. Okay. Okay. See, that's the thing though. Like, is that you learn that, right? Mm-hmm. Is okay. is practice as part of the skill set that we learn that we develop. Okay. Um, and basically what we mean by that is, is that, um, it's all a matter of a cooling off process. 
the cooling off process is in fact nibbana, that we have both little nibbana moments and an overall cooling out process. And what is the ultimate realization of this? Like, what Stop is Stop looking for ultimates. What does a Buddha know? Enjoy, like, enjoy the moment like you have it. Yeah, but there is like, no good. There, uh, there is no sunum boonum. That's part of the magic story. Well, I'm not saying it has to be a all good or a god, but there has to be something that's more satisfying than just the physical world. Being satisfied with any and everything is satisfying. Being dissatisfied with whatever you get, even if it's the highest good. If you're dissatisfied with it, you're still dissatisfied. We're not talking about what is the highest good. We're talking about how can you give up your desire and your will for the highest good and be satisfied with what God gives you. Yeah, yeah. Right now, in this present moment, yeah, this is good enough. It just seems like, like, it just seems like the Buddha wasn't like that. So... What, what made was the Buddha him, like? Well, he was obviously not like happy before he he started to do all his practice and all the stuff. So, like, and even then, when he was doing the practices, like he still had a little bit of like he needed to figure out things and you know whatever. And then, well, he did. Happened. He figured out Patita Samuppada. He figured out the Four Noble Truths. He figured out Aha! I see you, Mara. He so, figured out to stop looking for these ultimates and the stuff that you're doing and be satisfied. That's what Sukha is all about in, in the uh, Anapanasati Sutta, so, is to become satisfied. I know, yeah. It just seems like when you talk about Paticca Samuppada, and then, like, that's not so, like, simple and so, like... Um, it's almost like like if you destroy any or if you see through or whatever any mental fabrication any physical fabrication any verbal fabrication then what would so that's what i'm saying like there are obviously experiences that heal you let's just say like they heal you like uh paticca samuppada naroda or whatever like those states or um someone like, it's obvious that jhanas, like higher jhanas and things like that, don't fix your brain. Like, they don't fix you. Like, they don't. Well, you fix don't know because you haven't been there yet. Well, let's just say, like, people You've have. You've been reading a bunch of stuff by a lot of people who may or may not have ever been there themselves. Well, I know that because I've had experiences and they do nothing. Like, for, for a while, but ultimately the character never changes and the habit. Okay. Well, here's the question, though, and that is, can you be satisfied? Can you have the experience right now of being satisfied with what you have right now? Okay. Yes, right? But the question, so, like, Paticca Samuppada, right? Like, I don't know if this will make sense, like, the way I word it, but I think it will only make sense to you. Um, like, Paticca Samuppada, um... Is that how magic works? No, magic is like a fire that has no fuel. But like in the opposite direction, like not Patisha Samuppada all the way down. Like it's basically saying how magic is created 
like the way delusion, the way our minds create images and meaning and different symbols and things like that. You could go so far as to say that when we take in new information, we have to process it in order to make sense out of it. Okay. And that's exactly what the Buddha said. The Salayatana is the making the sense out of what we've seen and we process it using our past. And then there, and there so is. we realize something or we put things together. That's the process of perception and we come to a recognition of something. I understand or I recognize something, right? Now, that's an internal representation. It's not the real world. It's what we've made of it. We make of it. We've made something out of it. An example of that would be a uniform that people wear. And various uniforms to you have various meanings. So when you see someone in a nurse's uniform, it has a different feeling than if you see someone in a nun's habit. Or you have the different feeling if you see someone in an officer's uniform versus someone who is dressed like a general, right? And you can tell that business people have to wear a business suit. Okay. Okay. This is the way that we're looking at it is, is that we already know what these uniforms are. You've learned all about them when you were a child, and then we make automatic assumptions about someone based upon the uniform that they're wearing. Yeah. That, in fact, it goes so far as to have um, uh, stories like uh, the clothes make the man. And that story is that I read as a child is the story about two crooks who, who are going to rob uh, a store or, or whatever. And they have the idea, you know, if you dressed up because you're going to be on guard for me while I go in and do the dirty work, if you dress up like, like a policeman, it will make everything easier. And so he, so the accomplice dressed up like a policeman to stand guard while his accomplice was in the store robbing the place. And when he uh, was standing there, an old lady came up and says, my, how nice you dress. I'm really glad that we have a policeman on duty. We need officers like you. And then other people would talk to him. And then when the guy came out of the store, his accomplice, after he had done the robbery, guess what happened? His accomplice arrested him. <laughs> oh my God. Why? Because the clothes make the man. Yeah, yeah. All right. And we do that with our perception. We see something and we make something out of it that's not real. So... A major way of looking at things then is, is that the distinction between what is actually real and what we want or what we make of it is dukkha. And that the closer these things are together, the less uh, dukkha you have and the further away they are, then the more likely you're going to suffer greatly. That in fact, really delusional thinking is, is that they just cannot see reality. They're okay. making up their own reality. Okay, that makes sense. That makes okay, sense. and we all do it all the time, and we do it every time that we become critical. 
because the reality is, is God is not critical. The reality is, is that the universe is not critical. The universe is humming right along and can do with or without human beings. Thank you very much. The planet Earth is going to be good to go with or without humans. It's yeah. the humans that keep wanting to fix things and change things and make it better and whatnot. Whoa. And we've come up to a certain point, but we haven't become noble with it. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. And. Okay, so the basic kind of point is that don't try to look for answers so much and don't try to be so creative, like in the sense of ultimate, you know, ultimate. Exactly. Yeah. That's a worrisome thing is to try to find out something that you don't have enough information about to know what you're looking for. That in fact, if there's anything that you really need to understand and see, is that everything is okay already. Yeah. Everything is fine. You do not need to go find that secret Easter egg in order to have a good Easter. Yeah. So okay. you can have a fine Easter with your own self with or without the egg. That magic egg. Why does it feel like, like even thinking about it makes me frustrated because it's like the feeling, it feels like. Because uh, this has been your whole job for your whole Christian existence. Yeah, it's just like. And I'm coming by and I'm poking a hole in this balloon you're trying to blow up. <laughs> like, but why don't I just want to like, why wouldn't. It's like this uh, deep kind of like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't. You don't want to do what? And that's the whole thing. It's just like a basic, in ge a general, like, tone that, like, whenever I think about it, it's like, that's the tone that comes up. Like, oh, okay. no. Let's, let's, let's experience that for a moment. Let's go into that. Because this is a basic point of the hindrances. That, I don't want it, that's, that's a hindrance, right? It's a hindrance to you feeling really good. But where does it come from? Basically, the way that we experience it in the very beginning is when mommy tells us to do something and the kid doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we get into that position with mommy. I don't want to go to town with you. I don't want to do my homework. And everything seems to become a chore in life. And so they keep promising you, if you do what I tell you to do, there will be a reward at the end of it. Guess what? No reward. No reward. <laughs> yes. And you know that. You've seen it over and over and over again. Okay? That's the ordinary right view is you do what you're told to do, but we wind up presenting it. And so now you're talking to the Buddha Dhamma and the Buddha Dhamma is inviting you to come out of that. And you're saying, I don't want to come out of it. <laughs> I, I don't I, want you to tell me what to do. Well, we're not telling you what to do. That's the whole point is you that's telling you what to do that you're rebelling from. And yeah. we're asking you to stop rebelling from the orders that you give yourself as you stop giving yourself orders that you're rebelling from. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the thing, like, 
going through this kind of like spinning wheel or whatever, like coming to this conclusion of, well, obviously, I don't want to want, like, to have to. Like, I don't want to have to. Like, and I don't want to, like, because that's where ultimately. Guess what? It's all, that's the whole point is to coming out of that Christian mentality is, is that there is nobody there but you. And even that is delusional. Yeah, yeah, at a certain point. That really there's nobody there. Only a human being with one part of his brain giving him orders and with another part of his brain rebelling against those orders. Yeah. And the Buddha, I mean, so it's like, he's not like, this isn't really laying out some mystical future. It's more like taking out all of your... uh, Taking the trash out. We're not promising you a mansion. We're not promising you a rose garden. We're just asking you to clean up the place. (laughs) Yeah. Because... It's almost funny because I feel like if I... It's like, like I went through that rough patch... And then I stopped practicing, but I knew that I would get out of it because I was like, well, eventually I have to because I don't want to feel this way all of my life. So well, we even get tired and uh, sick and tired of being sick and tired. We yeah. eventually get bored with being bored. And it was weird because like, I felt like if I start to go at it again and you know, like practice or whatever, or do that. I just feel like, like, like now I'm working directly with that. Like there's no more like, um, oh, you're practicing to get enlightened and enlightenment and this mystical quality. It's more like now it's like, bro, you're buried in this feeling of tension. Just stop, like, just relax and learn how to, like it's like dealing directly with um just a sense this overwhelming feeling or not overwhelming but it like actually i like what like the quiet desperation can turn into that but it's like an overall constricting feeling um but you talk yourself into it yeah and you, so starting to watch the fact that you're critical of yourself that you keep demanding things of yourself And this is what the Buddha calls Sila Bhatta Paramasa. It's the second fetter. Once you get over that there's no self, then you have to get over that there is no authority. There is no authority. There is no source for these rights, rules, and rituals, and, uh, and laws, and regulations that I just merely carry them around because of the habit, and I can set them down at any time. Okay. It's like being way out in the wilderness, far, far, far from everything, looking for a bathroom. Well, all you have to do is just let it go. 
and we're out there looking for a bathroom. Why? Because we've been trained in our society that you got to go into the bathroom. You can't just do it here on the floor. Well, guess what? There's no floor. <laughs> so, because, okay, let's say like I, like before, like I get on a, like I get, you know, boom, like it just feels like that's like, at some point, like there's this tipping point where it's like you're either going to keep going or you're going to crash again. And that tipping point will be there moment by moment all the time. It's a choice that you have to consistently make over and over and over again. Am I going to go by the unwholesome old bad habits of criticizing myself and feeling bad? Or am I going to go with the new way of seeing that stuff, throwing it out, recognize it as unwholesome, and start to nourish myself instead? Your choice, every moment. And when you start to nurture yourself, you begin to like it a lot. And then you say, I don't meditate to get enlightened. I meditate because I'm already enlightened. Or another way of saying it is that I meditate because I like it. Nice good stuff great benefit that's yeah i understand that yeah it's like um it's just i guess i get confused because some people say oh no you're not supposed to not like meditation or like it you're supposed to transcend everything and you're supposed to do this and you're, it's like the opposite kind of like there's some people like you're very like you're like, reminding me of a N Mula Nasruddin story. What is that? I don't know what that is. Okay, Mula Nasruddin or Mula Nasr uh, uh, Mula. You know the word Mula. Uh, Nasruddin or Nas uh, Na not so strong Nasruddin. It's a collection of Aesop-like stories or fables in the Islamic tradition. Okay, and so uh, there's many stories in there, but the one that you're reminding me of is the, the story of the old man who is going to go sell the donkey. And he's got to go out of the mountains down to the valley to sell the donkey. And he takes his young son with him, or maybe he's the grandfather and the grandson. And along the way, various people stop and give them advice. One group uh, says, well, why do you uh, have this poor child walk and you ride on the donkey? Why don't you let the, uh, the child ride on the donkey? And so the old man gets off the donkey and puts the child on the donkey. And now the little child is taking the donkey and the uh, old man is walking. And then he meets somebody else and says, why don't you both ride the donkey? Well, why? But and then another one would come by and says, "Why? Why are either one? You're going to sell this donkey. Don't wear him out. You should both walk to town." Well, when the, when he was walking with when they were riding with both of them, it was pretty treacherous. They slipped and fell into the creek, and the donkey drowned. And so did and uh, but the man and the son came out. And the boy said, well, what happened? And the man says, see what we get by following everybody's orders. We did everything that anybody said to do, and it always got screwed up, right? 
Yeah. That's the same thing with meditation. There are so many different books with so many different authors and so many different ways to do it, where in fact the Buddha only had one meditation, and that was Anapanasati. Bhikkhu Buddha Nasa makes a very, very big point of that, and, I, and of all the suttas that I've read, I have never heard of anything about it other than that Anapanasati is practiced for the fulfillment of the four foundations of mindfulness. The four foundations of mindfulness are, um, uh, are developed for the fulfillment of the Sambhojana, for the seven factors of enlightenment. That's the path of the Buddha. But look at how many Westerners have propped themselves up with a book here and there and become famous about being a master meditation teacher. Yeah, it's more like I actually got this from um, a monk and he's more like, uh, he's so different from your, your like approach or it's like he's more about like freaking you out. Like, yeah, like pushing it in your face. Like, ah, you know, like, Stop so does that mean that he's pushing it in his own face? Maybe. But he's like, but he's very, very true, though. Like, why do you meditate? Do you meditate to escape from your, from everything? Or are you like, like, why? Like, he's very, like, why oriented, like, investigate. Don't, don't just do things for the sake of, like. Right, exactly. And, and for the sake of means for the sake of the rules or the sake of we've been doing it that way or the forsake of the attachment to rites, rules, and rituals, which the Buddha calls sila uh, bhatta paramasa. So if this monk is really heavy on that, that's great. He needs to do that for a few years in order to get it out of his system. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's quite profound in his understanding, but he's just very, like, um, like, very like oh you know like karate chop your head in, in half type thing like uh, he's very like uh strict but not in sense restraint and all that stuff he's just very like i'm not gonna tell you what you want to hear like at all like very zero which some people don't like him for that but i have never been known to tell people what they want to hear <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> You just say it a lot more, like, with smiles and chill. Okay. You just say it with, like, a lot more, like, chill and smile. He's, like, very buff and, like, young and Siberian and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, has a tattoo right here. Oh, well, we should introduce Step 10 of Anapanasati to him to gladden the mind. To brighten it up, to come up. Yeah, uh, I think I think I understand now, though. Like, I think I just uh, kind of like saw something, and then I just kind of got lost in it, or my interpretation. That happens from time to time. There's various pitfalls. Congratulations, you fell in a ditch. Now you can pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and boogie on down the path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm okay, yeah. It's funny, because yeah, I, 
You're I was good. about to ask you, like, I was about to ask you, did I do something wrong? But I was like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I just. No, <laughs> no, you're good. You're fine. That's just part of the process. Yeah. Okay. One more question. One more question. All right. Like, one how do you more. deal with, how do you deal, though, with the freedom? Like, okay, you can do whatever you want, but what if you still have unhealthy habits and unhealthy desires? Look at them. Look at them. Watch them. Yeah. Okay. Investigate them. Recognize that they are, in fact, unhealthy, unwholesome, and they have dangers. Yeah. Okay. No and then you can make a choice about whether you're going to do it or not. Rather than just blindly following them, investigate them. Figure out, is this what I want to do or not? Okay. Okay. Perfect. No problem. All right. Well, we'll see you later. Thank you, Damarato. It's nice seeing you again. Good to see you. Bye-bye.